0: Hola, and welcome to Latino Book Chat. I am your host, Christian Meneses Jacobs. We invite you to participate in our conversations with Latino authors, illustrators, and others who share their insights into the book publishing industry. Jasmine Mendez is a Dominican-American poet, playwright, translator, and award-winning author of several books for children and adults. She's the author of two memoirs, Islands of Dreams, and Night Blooming Jasmine, Personal Essays and Poetry, and the young adult memoir, Islands Apart, Becoming Dominican American. Her debut poetry collection, City Without Altar, was a finalist for the Noemi Press Book Awards for Poetry. Her middle grade book, Aniana Del Mar Jumps In, is a novel in verse about a young girl diagnosed with juvenile idiopathic arthritis, and will debut this year. Her picture book, Josefina Zavichuelas, was released last year. Latino Bookcha welcomes Jasmine Mendez. Thank you for chatting with us today. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Your recent book, Islands Apart, Becoming Dominican American, is the story of your adolescence. Can you tell us about that period of your life and what made
1: you want to write about it? Yes. So Islands uh, Apart, Becoming Dominican American, looks at my life between the ages of about nine and 13. So write about those lovely uh, puberty years, (laughs) more more or less. Um, And I consider it sort of the prequel or the book that sort of should come before Island of Dreams, um, which looks at my life about 13 to 19. Um, And I chose to write about this time period because it was, you know, it's a it was very formative uh, period in my life, obviously a lot of coming of age moments, a lot of firsts. So a lot of these essays came through as I was working through a series of writing prompts about the first experiences that I had. Whether that was um, a first crush or my first friend first time I experienced sort of death in the family. Um, and so looking at all these experiences and how they shaped me and formed me, and really thinking about how a lot of those moments also impacted my understanding of who I am, as well as who I was eventually to become, right? So um, hindsight, right, is twenty twenty, as they say. And so yeah. looking back at a lot of those pivotal moments in my life, it only made sense, right? That I sort of became this educator, this, this this writer, this reader, this performer based off of a lot of those experiences. And I also think it was just important for me to sort of think about and interrogate what it meant for me as a Black Dominicana to grow up in the South in particular, which was something that I hadn't really considered or thought about until much older uh, in life. Because as a military brat, we moved around everywhere. But when I when I really looked at it, I said, oh, most of the places we lived was in the South. And at that time period, growing up in the 90s and early 2000s and late 80s, the notion of, of Black a Latina, right, was very foreign to to many folks in in the South and and just all over the U.S. And so I think really taking some time to think about those experiences in my life at that time period uh, to better understand, right, my own. Uh, understanding of my identity um, and how it was shaped uh, was important to me. And I think that that it speaks to young girls and women who are also kind of struggling and trying to figure out their place in the world and, and their own identity and kind of where they fit into their friendship circle, their family circle, and just life in general.
0: Yeah, we get to reading this very personal experience like you mentioned, like mm-hmm. your first crush and mm-hmm. the first time you, uh, you experienced loss. But how do you choose which part of your life to share with your readers? Because they feel very personal, very private. How do mm. you make that decision?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I think a lot about what are the kinds of stories and and books and ideas that I wish I would have had access to at that age, right? There were not many books or memoirs or stories about young women, young Latina women, young black women, sort of experiencing the world and encountering the world for the first time in different ways, you know, that first period or that first boy that mm-hmm. likes you, or, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of those things, right? Um, they're sort of taboo subjects. And like you said, they are personal, and they do require a sense of vulnerability. But I, I I like to say that I I write this the kind of stories that I wish I would have had at a certain age and for me choosing sometimes the most vulnerable or those most impactful moments and memories really is what helps, you know, my stories connect with with a lot of readers because so much of what I write about, even though it feels very unique to my experience, are also very universal experiences. I think mm-hmm. that just many adolescents, young girls and, and boys and, and of and of all genders and backgrounds will sort of face and will will feel these same feelings. Um, and to me it's it's about thinking, right, what were those specific moments that really shaped me? And yeah, I did have to kind of be very vulnerable and express myself in, in a way like Find those moments from you know those uh, very intimate journal entries, if you will, mm-hmm, yeah. um, and, and, and craft them into into essays and, and stories that would resonate with readers. And it is scary, you know. I don't think I'm ever not afraid to kind of share that side of myself. But I know that so many times certain books have helped me and have saved me in in times of distress. That I just hope that this book and these stories can do the same for someone else.
0: So, have you been keeping a journal or diary since you were young?
1: Oh yes, I definitely have. Um, while these essays didn't necessarily come from from those times, because uh, nobody wants to read <laughs> journals from my, from my teen years, that was not good writing, but I have. I've, I've journaled since as long as I can remember, probably second, third grade, I started keeping a diary. Um, and then in high school, a lot of that turned into writing poetry uh, in my journals, but I've journaled, yeah, my whole life, um, just sort of put my own thoughts and feelings down on paper for as long as I can remember.
0: You mentioned about growing up in a military family mm-hmm. and growing up Afro-Latina in the South. So I was
1: mm-hmm. wondering how that helped shape
0: your identity or part of your identity.
1: Yeah, I think both did in, in different ways. Um, so I'll start with the idea of being a military brat, if you will, for lack of a better word. My father was in the army <laughs> for, for 22 years and we moved around a lot. But one of the, I'll say beautiful again, for lack of a better word, one of the beautiful things about being in the army is that you do sort of have a naturally built-in community and support system in that. And anywhere we moved, my parents were always fortunate enough to find sort of a little pocket of Latinos that were there, a lot of Puerto Rican families and Cuban families, a few Panamanian families and some Dominican families as well that were also you know, in the army and we found each other and we built that sort of community in that little village just within ourselves um, with, with those military families. And so I always had a strong, Presence of of my latine culture around me because we always had barbecues every weekend and oh, the men would fun. play yeah the men would play dominoes and it'd always be merengue and salsa playing oh, somewhere like in Ye- the old days <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so my parents' house was always the one that people went to I remember it was literally it was always a birthday or a, we were celebrating something all the time and so we always had a lot of um, Latino families around us but I think that what's interesting is that because you know, my parents made sure that the that our Dominican culture was very present in our lives and in our mm-hmm. home. It was kind of in conflict or intention at times with being Black, right, in the South, um, because again, people didn't really understand, right, how you could be Black and Latino and speak yeah. Spanish and what does that mean? And um, and it, it always made me feel, in many ways, that I wasn't enough of either, right? Um, I never really identified with with um, black culture or being African-American because my own black peers right in school said no you're not really black you're not Mm -hmm. you're not one of us and at home it it was a lot of the same thing right no you're not black you're Dominican and the south being the way that that it that it is and and really was especially in those times very polarized or either black or white there was nothing else right they didn't really understand the notion of anything else right um until later um, because where I lived, in particular, Louisiana, Alabama, Tennessee, there wasn't a lot of Latinos, uh, there wasn't you know, any Mexicans or anything like that, really, at that time, there were, but obviously not in the numbers, perhaps that there are now. And so this idea of race and ethnicity was very polarized into black or white. And so I think that it, that it made things somewhat confusing for me as a child growing up mm-hmm. in those various regions, um, not really fitting in with, like I said, my black peers at school, definitely knew I wasn't white. And so occasionally, yeah, there, I would find, like I always say, the one Puerto Rican, and I would be friends with the one Puerto Rican at school, <laughs> um, because we understood each other. And so it was, it was very, um, an interesting time to grow up in. And I think that this book tries to kind of wrestle with those tensions of me wanting to really sort of be American and, and go through American culture, but my parents definitely wanting to to hold on tight to their Dominican values and Dominican culture and, and surrounding me with that culture in a lot of beautiful and wonderful ways, but also, right, that tension that exists when you are a child of, of immigrants and you were born and raised here in the U.S. And, and what does that mean? And how do you kind of work within those two opposing worlds, if you will?
0: Can be quite the, the problem there, you know, yeah. when you're trying to figure out who you really are when, the, when mm-hmm. you're that young. In the book, you mentioned your father a few times. Mm-hmm. How was he an influential figure during those formative years?
1: Oh, wow, definitely. And he still continues to be, um, you know, my father as a military man, as a, as an educator, someone who's is very strict and stubborn in all the best ways. Um, <laughs> that he, sounds you know, like it. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's the way he showed love. You know, I, told, I get it now, I really do. Um, but yeah, he was very protective and very strict in his rules. And I think that for me, it did a couple of things. One, it made me very focused in school. Um, he was very big on, you know, your school is, is, is the most important thing. Nobody can take away your education and mm-hmm. um, it's important that you do well. And, and I did, I, I wanted to do well for him, you know, to not disappoint my parents. I wanted to do well for myself because I had big dreams, right? The things that I wanted to achieve in life. And I knew that education was gonna be one of those ways that I could do that. And then in high school, as I got older, it also kind of made me a little bit rebellious, <laughs> and so and so I did push the limits and boundaries of you know my parents' like rules. Like a good
0: like, teenager, right? Yeah,
1: like any teenager, right? I, yeah, I pushed. <laughs> I pushed those rules. I wore makeup when I wasn't supposed to. I shaved my legs when I wasn't supposed to. I, I dated boys when I wasn't supposed to. Um, so yeah, I. And, and, but I think that it definitely also just made me more independent and may, allowed me to to make mistakes because I think that. A lot of what my parents both of them but my dad in particular wanted to avoid was sort of these failures that we couldn't come back from right he wanted to make sure that, like don't get pregnant at 16 don't mm-hmm. do the drugs don't go to jail like all these things right that that potentially are difficult to kind of um come back from or the real challenges that yeah yeah, yeah, like the time, yeah exactly for sure for sure and so i think that his sort of strict nature definitely kept me in line it also, you know, pushed me to to leave the house when I when it was time to go to college. I was like, I gotta go, um, which is, which, I, which I think was the best thing for me, yeah, because it really leaving for college also made me much more mature and made me kind of grow up very quickly. And so I think that that it worked in in those two ways. Um, and yeah, he continues to inspire me. My dad still does wonderful things that, you know, he just graduated from medical school at the age of oh, 70. So wow. <laughs> yeah, so he very congratulations much believes <laughs> that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So education is Yeah, because is really you know, important. it
0: does show in your book that he's very focused on you mm-hmm. and your siblings to getting an education. Yes. Like he yeah. that comes across really well that he knows the value especially for us immigrants to have Mm -hmm. an education that nobody can take that away from you exactly
1: exactly yeah yeah and he lived by that i don't think there was a semester ever when i was growing up that i didn't see my dad taking at least one random college class maybe like when he was when he went out to war for sure right like Mm -hmm. when he was at war he didn't take classes but he definitely took advantage of his army veteran college status where he, you know, they paid for his classes. So he, yeah. Never, yeah. He all those won.
0: benefits. Yeah. The
1: benefits. Yeah.
0: So that's yeah. awesome. You know, something that also comes across is a conflicting relationship you have with your mom. Hmm. Do you eventually
1: resolve that conflict? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that any mother daughter relationship yeah. has, has its tensions. Um, my mom and I are great. She's, she's my best friend. I love her. To pieces and i but i do think that those years obviously were difficult and you know i think it again it goes back to you know for context my parents were were, were born during the trujillo era in the dominican republic which, ah. um, yeah my parents were born in 1950s um and that was it was the last decade of the Trujillo era and if you know anything about that era it was an era filled with, with violence oppression mm-hmm. suppression yes. he uh, was patriarchy. a dictator yeah he was a dictator a very evil violent dictator and mm-hmm. so My parents spent the first decade of their lives under that dictatorship. And then followed by that, right, there was still turmoil and unrest and and all kinds of other things that happened on the island prior to them immigrating to the United States. And so I think that a lot of that shaped my mom's understanding of what it meant to be a senorita, a girl, a woman, her ideals of, of you know what I needed to do and to be in order to be. Una niña decente, right? A decent girl, a decent young lady, and of course, I pushed back against mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of that. And um, you know, for a lot of a lot of my youth, I felt like that. You know, I didn't want to grow up to be like my mom and be somebody's. You know, just be a housewife and just have kids and just you know and do that. And and I'm grateful that I grew out of of that idea that that that's what she that's all she was because I know that she's a lot more than that and and then she takes great pride right there's also nothing wrong with yeah. a wife and a mom right like she yeah. took great pride in keeping her house clean and she really care of her does children. And she really that, really does
0: she's very <laughs> yeah. proud of doing the work that she yes. does and she takes it seriously and yes. this is what I
1: need to do you know yes 100% and so I think the issue was that my dad was trying to raise this like strong, independent, educated young woman. And then my mom's also trying to like, make sure that I can be a a good housewife and a good mom at some point. And so there's like this tension of like me really being my father's daughter and really Mm. wanting to just be independent and free. But then also like my mom being like, no, you gotta learn how to cook and clean to take care of yourself And, and sort of resisting that narrative. It took me going to college, I'll be mm-hmm. honest for for me and my mom to find finally... out. She was so right.
0: She was right, wasn't she? Oh,
1: she was so right. <laughs> <laughs> she was right in all the best ways. Um, so but right. now, yeah, yeah, now, now she's she's a she's a great. she's a great mom. She's a great grandmother. We you know, we talk literally every day. Um, so it's, it's yeah, nice it's just it's
0: just during those times, right? It's very yeah. difficult to see yeah. eye to eye it is especially yeah. with the moms you know yeah like if you're <laughs> yeah. a daughter it's more difficult than
1: with your it father
0: is. you know yeah for sure that's funny for but sure. you know it seems to me though that with your stories about your first it's like i, I don't know i had the, the impression that your mom was grieving mm. it's a form mm-hmm. of her for grieving that you were moving from being her child to a young woman yes
1: yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and I think that that has come through just in our conversations now. You know mm-hmm. that that I'm that I'm a woman and that I'm a mom and all of that, and I can I can see that as well, right? You know, every milestone, you're, it's like a bittersweet thing for your kid. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, you achieve this, but oh, <laughs> that means that you're not my little baby anymore, <laughs> you know. And I think that for my mom, especially, there was just a difficulty in, in her ability to express that and to say that out loud, because again, mm-hmm. coming from how she grew up and we don't really talk about emotions and we just, you know, we just kind of keep moving forward. You know, she just didn't really know how to express that necessarily. And and so it came out maybe in not the best ways at times. And so I think that, yeah, it's, there is a, there's a grieving, I think most mothers will go through as their children, right, get older and change and sort of mm-hmm. become independent and be there, become their own person like you, you want to see it and you, you think it's beautiful, but it's also sad and bittersweet. It,
0: it is, you know, every, yeah. every year for my daughter's birthday, I get all sad, you know, i yeah. you know, that <laughs> is one more birthday, but I'm sad, you sad, know, yeah. like I feel like that, like I'm grieving, you know, especially sure. my oldest is going to be 21 this month. Oh, wow. No <laughs> more
1: babies. Yeah. Yeah. They're whole adults. <laughs> I know. It makes me so sad.
0: And then I start crying you know I get so yeah. emotional.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I can definitely
0: sympathize with your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I know you have prepared some passages from the book to read for us. So tell us about the passage you chose.
1: The book opens with a short poem and then there's um, the first real essay that's in there and it's called The Chicken Pox. Um, And I'm just going to read the opening from it um, because this was... One of those memories, I think it's one of my earliest memories. I was about five years old in kindergarten and me, my brother and my sister all got the chicken pox during Christmas. (laughs) And uh, it was a not fun Christmas (laughs) to say the least, Um, (laughs) but, but we made the best of it. And I think that it was, it's a real testament to how close our family was and just the love that we had for each other and how my parents really tried to make as many memories and moments as special as possible, regardless of what we were going through. And so yes, I was just going to read the the little opening section of this essay here. The Chicken pox. Itchy, red, hot. I was hot, but wanted and needed to go to school. It was a Christmas gift exchange. We had bought a Barbie with brown hair and brown eyes, a dress and heels like all the pretty girls. The cold wind blew. I itched, so itchy, was hot. 101.3 degrees, a fever. Mommy said no. I cried, por qué? I wanted and needed to go. Stomping feet, tears, red hot, clenched fist, itchy knuckles, red hot. Mommy caved, está bien, she said. Covered in pink calamine, I was itchy, hot, and pink, and wrapped in a silk scarf. I was wrapped head to toe, black wool gloves, black tight leggings, scratching my thighs, rubbing across knees and scraping my toes. Itchy and hot, too hot, but I wanted to go, to go to school, wanted and needed. My gift was waiting. The cold wind blew across my face like shattered pieces of glass. It pierced my itchy, hot skin. Gift in hand, I arrived at the Christmas party on time. I broke out in a cold sweat. Come here, my teacher said. Take off the scarf. I wouldn't. No. Now, in my face, she said, Come closer. No, no, no. I was sent to the office. No bell had rung, no pledge to the flag, no gift, no exchange. Red skin burning, tears falling like snowflakes. The cold wind blew. Mom came back. She said, Yo te lo dije. I told you so. Let's go time to go, to go home.
0: Yay! I (laughs) love the way you read that. Oh my god.
1: Thank you. Yeah,
0: I I love how you know
1: we feel sad for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. Yeah, I was. I think that's why I still remember feeling so sad. Like, I really wanted to, like, give my Barbie doll so that I could get a gift at the gift exchange. and Mm -hmm. I was sent home even before the first, like, the Pledge of Allegiance. The teacher was like, (laughs) Nope, you're going home. You're, you have the chicken box, So
0: Oh my, yeah. We, I, and the way you read it is like, oh my God, I can feel it. I want to cry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that, it, it's a beautiful book. The book is Islands Apart, Becoming Dominican American by Jasmine Mendez. Participate in this week's book giveaway by subscribing to Latino Book Chat on your favorite streaming platform. Send me a screenshot of your subscription as your entry. You can submit your entry via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Latino Book Chat. You can buy a copy of the book through the publisher at artepublicopress.com. Jasmine Mendez, thank you so much for chatting with us today on Latino Book Chat. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at latinobookchat.com. Please subscribe on your favorite platform. Whatever you're listening to us today, please give us a positive review and as many stars as possible. Sharing the show will help it grow and continue to come to you. Thank you for your support. Hasta pronto. Latino BookChat is a production of Nicaragua Media. Today's episode was hosted, produced, and edited by Christian Meneses Jacobs.